uh, seems like, you know, we haven't been here in, in a while, but I guess we haven't. Because, you know, we've, we've been away. Kristen's back at school. She's settled. And, uh, oh yeah, this whole mass thing, you know, we, I guess we'll all get used to it eventually. But, um, <laughs> but you know, it, it just is what it is. But, you know, we've, we've been away and it is, it is certainly good to be, to be back. To see eyes, because of course, you know, we can't see faces. But to see eyes we haven't seen in a while. Right, Miss Sylvia? Hey. <laughs> but, um, praise God, we're back. Uh, if we had... Or if you think of alter egos, what do you think about? Now, I remember my boys, well, Pearson especially, was all into Flash, you know, on, on that show. So, you know, Barry Allen, he had his alter ego of Flash. I imagine Mr. David is Batman, you know, you know, he has his cave, you know, he has his nice cars and stuff. You know, but we all have, we all think of alter egos. And a lot of times when we think of alter egos, we might think of superheroes. You know, who's the superhero that we are? But, but, sometimes when we have alter egos, they're far from superheroes. Think Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. We have the person we are in public, and then the person that we are at home. For some people, it's a big difference. Who they are outside is not at all who they are at home. And we see those people on the news, you know, they're the ones that the neighbors go, well, you know, he was so nice, I just never knew. And then there are times when it, it could be as simple, or that, that, that difference in personality could be as simple as, as language. It could be colorful. And it could be somebody who curses like a sailor. Or it could just be somebody who just isn't very nice with their words. I, um, it took me a while. I struggled um, with what to come up with to, to talk about today. Um, I haven't necessarily been in, in that place that, that, that's worthy of preaching from. Uh, just being honest. Um, last few weeks have been, been tough. I haven't been very nice to Kelly. I haven't been very nice to, to my family. Miss um, Peggy asked me about our, our vacation uh, that we went on. We took some time to, to go to the beach. Um, something that we haven't done in years. Um, I took off of work, which, you know, to some people it was a big deal. People at the office were like, what, Martin's not here? But yeah, I, I took time from work, um, took two days to, to go to the beach, um, never mind the sea lice, because it was just rough at Ocean City that week with sea lice, um, but never mind about the sea lice, we were away for a nice family weekend, and I ended up messing up our good time, um, the good time that we were having, I ended up not having a really good attitude, and poor decisions as to... Things I said, a certain way I said them, with little regard for 
for the family and for their feelings. I can be way more insensitive than I care to admit. And I imagine that there are some of you that that is true of as well. We can be very insensitive. Um, Some people are just better than others at knowing what to say and when and when to hold their tongue. Then there are some people who are just straight up idiots. And that's where I am finding myself a lot of times. And I'm telling you this not because I I want pity, not because I want you to feel bad for me or um, (laughs) that I want you to go and hug Kelly and tell her how you feel sorry for her. It's not about that at all. Um, But as as we look at the landscape around us, we... And I, when I mean we, I don't mean just the people in this room, but we as a, as a society, we forget how important our words are. What we say and how we say it. It's, uh, it's a lost art. And the truth is it shouldn't be an art. It should just be. But we are not very good at what we say or how we say it. If we're honest, we know that we have left a not so favorable impression on some. And sadly, some of those people that we haven't left a good impression on are people close to us or people who once were close to us. Not necessarily because of anything we did, but because of what we said, how we said what we said. And some of us who've been around longer than others, we can think back to times, people we know, that because we said something or somebody said something to us, they aren't friends anymore, they were friends. And it's it's sad. Now, as long as we're being honest, there are some who have an opinion of us. And and not only us, but Christians as a whole because of what we've said. How often have we forgotten, again, just how powerful our words are. Or how cavalier we've been with one of the most destructive of weapons, our tongues. Again, when we were away, I found myself apologizing to, to my family. As I shared with them and as I was apologizing, I only have one opportunity to be a husband. Well, hopefully only one opportunity to be a husband. One opportunity to, to be a, a father to my children. And I could not and should not jeopardize our future relationship Because of what I say or do in anger or frustration or because I'm tired, which we often use as excuses. But I have to be way, way more careful. Now, as is often the case, there's nothing new as as far as what I'm going to talk about today. Um, Just think of today's message 
as a reminder. With that said, how's your speech? Now, there are times when, yes, we have to speak up and we have to say certain things. That's not what I'm talking about. Those things are just givens, right? You know, we have to, we have to say some things sometimes. But how is your speech in general? Would you be embarrassed, mortified even, if we happen to have a soundbite of one of your recent rants or conversations? Would you want to just curl up and escape from all of us if anybody else heard how you carried on? I'd be. Last time I shared a message, I talked about our ability to have effective communication in in order to be able to to empathize. And uh, we have to be able to empathize in order for unity to take place. There can be no unity without communication. That is the case in every relationship. There isn't one that can exist without good communication. Now, there are two parts of communication. There's speaking and there's hearing. Um, Folks in my house have heard me say it probably more more than they'd like to. But what's said is not always what is heard. So then, what and how we say what we do needs to be concise, it needs to be clear... And it needs to be comprehensive. It needs to be succinct in order to alleviate any confusion. Uh, I'm not very good at this. I, I, I talk way too much. In fact, I, I, I over talk a lot. And um, learning to be quiet is, is a very, very hard, tough lesson for me. But I'm, I'm, I'm trying to learn it. But I talk too much. If we're able to be concise, clear, succinct. It will increase the odds that folks hear what it is that we're saying. There's a a better chance for comprehension. Then there are times when it doesn't matter how concise we are because of how we've spoken. There has been such venom, such contempt in our words, uh, there's so much contempt, there's so much venom that, that the people that we're talking to, our, our audience, they immediately shut down because they're not going to waste their time listening to us. Or they were too hurt or offended to, to want to listen. They couldn't bear to be around us at that point because we made them so mad, so angry that if they stuck around, um, we were going to cause them to sin. Our words have driven them away. Our words in these moments or those moments, they contradict our testimony. James 1, 26. It tells us, if anyone considers himself religious and yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. 
if we don't watch what we say, if we don't control our tongues, then our religion as Christians is worthless. We have to be very, very, very careful with the words that we choose. It's those words that are, they're the manifestation of our struggles. They reveal what's, what's in our hearts and, and who we are in challenging times or tough moments. And there are many, many times, unfortunately, when we're not able to go back and fix the damage that we've done because of how careless we've been with our words. Um, the thought of that alone could bring me to tears. Um, I'm working on it. Now, it, it, it's generally understood that as we get older, um, we have license to say whatever we want, however we want, to whoever we want. And immediately there are people that we think about, we go, yep, mm-hmm. Now, fast forward to, to 2020, and again, we can remember when we were kids and our, our parents, or actually our grandparents, you know, that was their line. And I've, I've grown old enough, I can say whatever I want now. Um, now it's not reserved for old folks anymore. If you have a platform or if you're a person of status, then you can, you can have at it. You know, one of the rights that we have here in America is the, is the right to freedom of speech. And we've taken that right and we have run with it. And the First Amendment of the Constitution makes it clear that we have that right. But we forget that just because we can doesn't mean we should. Now, folks, um, back in King David's time, they also had that right. In Psalm chapter 12, and if you'd like to turn there, um, I'm going to read uh, verse 2 through 5. It says, Everyone lies to his neighbor. Their flattering lips speak with deception. May the Lord cut off all flattering lips and every boastful tongue that says we will triumph with our tongues. We, are, we own our lips. Who is our master? Because of the oppression of the weak and the groaning of the needy, I will now arise, says the Lord. I will protect them from those who malign them. We fail to realize that sometimes we're the ones doing the maligning, right? But here in, 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 in King David's time, rich people were verbally attacking the oppressed and the weak. They lacked compassion. They failed to help the poor. And through their speech, they tried to justify their actions. Their speech revealed the proud attitudes that motivated them. By saying whatever they wanted, they, they, they showed their desire to do whatever they wanted. Their loose and flattering lips revealed their rebellious hearts. Now, not rebellious against David, but rebellious against the God of Israel. How often do we 
do that? How often do our rebellious hearts manifest in what we say, how we say it, who we direct what we say to as we talk about people? What does it say about our rebellious hearts? According to Psalms 10, verse 7, it says, The wicked man's mouth is full of curses and lies and threats. Trouble and evil are under his tongue. Psalm 36, 3 says, The words of his mouth are wicked and deceitful. He has ceased to be wise and to do good. Proverbs twelve eighteen tells us, Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. There have been too many times when I was not wise, have not been wise, and cut people, especially those that love, those that I, I care about, like I had a sword. And I just cut them, took my sword out and said, and cut them. In Matthew 12, Jesus t- calls out the Pharisees um, in, in Matthew 12, 34, when he said, You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? He didn't say, how can you not do anything good? Jesus called his, how can you say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The word points out that the tongue is directly connected to the heart. The question then is what's in your heart? If the tongue is connected to the heart and it's just the overflow, what's there? What in your rebellion manifests through your words? See, like the Pharisees, can Jesus call you out? Can others call you out? I've been. James 3, uh, 5 and 6 sums it all up. He says, consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire. A world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Our tongues can do some serious, serious damage. And more times than we realize that damage is irreparable. Think of California, not just this week and all the fires that they're having in in north of uh, Los Angeles, but last year, the, the fires that burned where the electric company there was sued for billions of dollars. A spark cause billions of dollars of damage. And James is telling us our words are like that spark. It causes damage. And he's clear, it says, is itself set on fire by hell. Satan wants nothing more than for us to use, no matter how well-intentioned, our voices, our mouths, our tongues. He wants to use it 
but nothing other than to destroy the kingdom. And we, knowingly, sometimes unknowingly, but a lot of times knowingly, we just help him. I also have a tendency to be a know-it-all. I am a fountain of useless information. I am an information junkie. I hoard information on, on whatever, and then I present it later as, as a subject matter expert. Pearson, thanks to the Google, <laughs> I, I say that because it, 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 Pearson chuckles at me, but thanks to Google or just the internet in general, you know, we have access to so much information and, and again, I come back as a subject matter expert. Now, if we talk long enough, you'll find out, you'll hear me spew something out to you. Uh, my children have had to grow up with me and my know-it-allness. Um, I have dampened many a mood over the years. Um, in a conversation we had recently, we were just talking about stuff. I, I was made to realize that I have been more discouraging than encouraging sometimes. There is a line from uh, the play Hamilton that um, I'm, I have to work hard to embody. Um, the first time it said... Uh, Burr meets Hamilton, and he says, talk less, smile more. I don't do it any justice, but talk less, smile more. Ecclesiastes 10, 12 to 14, it says, words from a wise man's mouth are gracious, but a fool is consumed by his own lips. At the beginning, their words are folly. At the end, they are wicked madness, and fools multiply words. So the Bible reminds us that fools never know when to be quiet. They don't know when to shut up. Proverbs 10, 19 to 21 tells us, Sin is not ended by multiplying words, but the prudent hold their tongues. Another translation says that when words are many, sin is not absent. But he who holds his tongue is wise. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver, but the heart of the wicked is of little value. The lips of the righteous nourish many, but fools die for lack of sense or judgment. Again, in, that, in verse 20, in, in, that, uh, in that bit of scripture, there's the tongue of the righteous, but then the heart of the wicked. Uh, again, it, the author realizes that the heart and the tongue are connected, so... They can be used interchangeably. All right? So the, the heart of the wicked is of little value. You know the saying, it's better to keep your mouth shut and have people think that you're dumb than open your mouth and prove them right. Um, the point is, if we talk long enough, we're going to mess up. We're going to, to say something dumb. It's just truth. Anything done in excess. Anything. In this case, talking in excess is not good. 
We have to be prudent with our words, choosing them thoughtfully and considerately. We cannot make a habit of verbally vomiting on others, even our own children, as it will only demonstrate just how foolish we are. Sometimes we talk so much, we, we prove we don't know the answer to the question that was even asked. And that's when folks just get up and just kind of excuse themselves. But we, we show that we, we don't know the answer to the question. Or we just demonstrate that, well, we're not quite as smart as we thought. So maybe, uh, yeah, maybe I should just shut up now because I'm just rambling. Proverbs 14.3 says, A fool's mouth lashes out with pride, but the lips of the wise protect them. Proverbs 12.23, The prudent keep their knowledge to themselves, but a fool's heart blurts out folly. Smart people, prudent, wise people, know when to speak and when to be quiet. And when they do speak, they also know how to speak. The bottom line is we, we need to have better control of our tongues. Yes, there are underlying heart issues that need to be addressed. But we need to exercise self-control when it comes to our mouths and what we think we need to say. What we feel we just have to say. Our tongues need to be restrained. We have to have better control. Psalm 34, 13 tells us to keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. Proverbs 13, 3, he who guards his lips guards his life, but he who speaks rashly will come to ruin. Proverbs 21, 23, he who guards his mouth and his tongue keeps himself from calamity. Now, for those who don't know what calamity means, keeps us from an event causing great and often sudden damage or distress, a disaster. He who guards his mouth and his tongue keeps himself from disaster. Wow. Some things we just need to write all over our houses. You know, it needs to come up when we open our phone. It needs to be the first thing that pops up. Guard your mouth and your tongue to avoid disaster. First Peter 3.10 says, For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. Our mouths... Our tongues, the things we say, have the potential to make our lives miserable and affect our destiny. Just think about all the times that you've, you've talked your way out of something good that was coming your way. Or the converse, that you've talked yourself into a situation that you wish you hadn't. I'm reminded of that episode of Seinfeld where he's talking, Seinfeld is talking to to this woman, and she was a quiet talker, but, you know, she was talking, and Seinfeld was just talking, and he agreed. 
end up with a pirate shirt on TV. But we can talk ourselves into situations that we wish we hadn't. Let's go back to elementary school for a moment. Remember when we learned about interrogative words? And I'll be honest, I had to look that up because I asked Kelly, I said, do you remember those words? What are they? What the interrogative words? The five W's and H. You remember those? They are always, always applicable. Do you remember the five? Yeah. Who, when, where, why, what, and how. So as it relates to, to, to just talking, to speech, what are we trying to say or communicate? When are you making your point? Is, is it the right or most appropriate time? Where? Sometimes location matters, depending on what you're hoping to achieve. Why? What is it you're trying to achieve? Are you talking for the sake of talking, or, or is there a point? Folks have had to ask me that question. Is, is there a point? Or what's your point? Who? What is your relationship with the person you're talking to, or who you're having communication with? Where do they stand in your life? Because, of course, this should influence the how. How are you going to, to present your case or the point you want to make? It sounds trite, but the five W's and H, if we don't spend a moment, and it can be a quick moment, thinking of these things, we're invariably going to, to mess up. It seems so basic, so very, very basic. But we mess up because we fail to not take those things into account. They impact just about every conversation every interaction that we have. Now, in Proverbs 18.4, the person that the author is talking about, that person considered the five W's and H. Proverbs 18.4, it says, the words of a man's mouth are deep waters, but the fountain of wisdom is a bubbling brook. When you consider what it is that you're saying, the who, the when, the where, the what. You know what to say, and as you talk, the words that you share are not only informative, but have deep, deep meaning, as opposed to somebody just rambling for the sake of rambling. Proverbs 10.10 reminds us that a chattering fool comes to ruin. The more we talk, the more likely we are going to stray into areas that we don't want to be. We're going to say something dumb. We might end up in gossip or, or slander. Fool's territory. Just because we just didn't know when to shut up. A commentary that I recently read noted that the book of Proverbs advocates an, an economy of speech. It's a wise person who bridles the urge to blurt out everything on his mind 
as noted in Proverbs 17, 28. Even fools are thought to be wise when they keep their mouths shut. The takeaway from everything today, what I find more important, it's not about whether I am a fool or not with the things that I say or what people think. But what we want to walk away with in terms of what we say is that passage from James 1.26. We want to take it personally and make sure we need to make sure that our tongues don't show our religion to be worthless. In truth, this message was really for me, but I hope you guys found it helpful. Let's pray. Father God, um, I just thank you for the opportunity to, to bring your word this morning. Thank you for convicting me, Father God, and, and I pray, Lord, that, that as we as we deal with the world, invariably, we are going to have to talk. We are going to have to communicate. Help us, Father God, to make sure that, that our words embody the wisdom that, that is found only in your word, Lord God. Help us to not be out here and, and be fools. Help us in our relationships. Help us to, to have good firm foundation in you, Father, as you draw us all closer to you. Continue to refine us and make us better with some of these things that we, we struggle with, that I struggle with. Lord God, you are good, you are gracious, and uh, you tell us that if we seek you earnestly, you'll be found. So, Father, help our journey and our search to be earnest as we latch onto you, Father God, so that our religion can never, ever be called worthless. Because, Father God, you are worth, your son Jesus is worth more than anything we are or have. And we thank you for your, your willingness, Father, to have him die on a cross for me, for us, so that we could all have a relationship with you. We love you, Father God. We just are so thankful for what you're doing and working on in our lives. Guide us, protect us, help our country in this crazy, crazy time as we navigate just COVID, politics, racial strife. Just help us, Father God. Help people with sound minds to just come back to you, Lord God, because we have to be the ones to represent you to this lost, lost world. Help us, Father. And again, we just thank you for the word, and we thank you for everything you are. In Jesus' name. Amen.